oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come quickly.
Welcome, Claudeth. Take a seat. Good afternoon, Scott. Good afternoon, everyone. So, Claudeth, why don't you start by letting everybody know where did you grow up? Where were you born? What were your early years like? Yeah, I, I actually was born in Hammersmith here in London. Um, and my parents and I and my three sisters, we were shipped out to Slough by the time I was four years old. But it was a bit unique because Slough was part of Greater London then. And then it moved its borders and became Buckinghamshire and then Berkshire. So I've lived in three counties without moving. That's pretty unique. Very, <laughs> very, very good. And as you were growing up, Claudette, what was on your heart? You know, every young man, when they grow up, they want to become a footballer or an astronaut or something like that. What did you want to be as a young lady as you were growing up? Well, as women weren't playing football in those days, I couldn't say that I was going to play for Chelsea, the best team in the world. So, Any I... Chelsea fans in the room? Yes. Pockets here and there. <laughs> I wanted to be a singer, a pop star and an actress. I really wanted to be in the entertainment business. Very good. Yes, Could anyone it, was my, see... it was my dream. It was my dream. Could anyone see Claudette on Broadway? Yes. Come on. That's, <laughs> the answer to that is yes. Amen. The truth of the matter is um, my mum wanted me to be a private secretary. So that's what I trained to do in the end. And how many words a minute do you type? Uh, between 80 and 100. 80 and 100. Any advances on 80 and 100 in the room? Anyone type faster than 80 to 100 words a minute? Mm. I would be super impressed. <laughs> Very good, Claudette. Thank you. And then when did you get born again? Well, I was, um, I was the tender age of 21 in a so certain year. Just a couple year. of years ago. Absolutely. Although it seemed to be that it was in the 80s. Um, and it was quite an experience. I, music being my love, I was invited to a concert by a neighbour of mine. Um, we were on the train coming home, actually, from a jazz concert, and he said he had a ticket. What's the jazz concert? It wasn't a Christian concert? No, no, because, oh, I, of oh. course, I wasn't a Christian then, was I? Um, and coming back on the train, he said, well, I'm going to a gospel concert tomorrow night. I said, I love gospel. Didn't even know what it was, really. Um, and he gave me his ticket, and I went to the concert, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ there and then. Um, yeah. So it was amazing. I'd not heard of salvation, and so it had to be explained to me on the train on the way home. And there I really prayed the prayer of salvation again and, and understood a little bit about what I did. But I then journeyed into the church of my friend who, who had led me to the Lord, really. Um, and I was there in what's called the Wesleyan Holiness Church. So that was my first church where I spent eight years of my life, and it it kind of, it gave me the foundation that I needed. And I just wanted to share here about the impact that you can have on lives. Yesterday, I was one of the speakers at a memorial service for the gentleman who had been my discipler. He had discipled me as our youth leader. He passed away from COVID a year ago. And I was at um, the service yesterday speaking about him and his life and looking at the impact that he made on people's lives and although he's gone he's with the Lord hundreds and hundreds of people have been affected by him and I'm one of them so who sowed into your life and whose life are you affecting now 
It's really encouraging, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Mm -hmm. it? It shows that genuinely disciples make disciples. Yeah. And we need to learn in our own journey that when we have been truly discipled, it's at that point that we become a disciple maker of other believers in the body of Christ. Was the journey smooth, Claudette? Of course. Plain sailing? Of course not. <coughs> not. There was a time in my life that I thought, look, I want to go and do my own thing. And so I backslid. I walked away What's from God. What's backsliding? Well, backsliding is you turn your back on God, or you, at least you think you do. You want to go your own way. Mm. You want to choose to do things that he says not to do. And so I walked away from God, I thought. And it's quite amazing that at the moment in our Wednesday prayer nights, we mm. are praying about prodigals returning home. And I have some of that experience, really. Um, I got to a point where everything I did seemed to lead back to God. Wow. And I remember a day on my sofa, in my lounge, where I shouted at God, and remember I'm backslidden at this point, I don't want to know, why won't you just leave me alone? I was so aware of God the whole time in my backslidden um, things that I was doing. And there was this sense that he just wouldn't leave me alone, that he was after me. So I had no choice but to return to him. I guess you, you had an awareness of God's sovereignty, of his love over your life, and even in these moments where you were, as you say, backslidden, you had a sense that he was there, that he still loved you, that you were still redeemed, you were still yeah. saved, that there was still a purpose that he had. Share with us, what did that make you feel like, that there was no judgment, there was no condemnation, there was no criticism of your decisions in those seasons of your life? It's a good question, actually, because the, the key thing is that God did not condemn me. He didn't judge me. As you said, he loved me back to him. Mm. The only critic that there was and the only person condemning me was me. It wasn't the enemy. It was me. I was unhappy with myself. I felt that I should be punished, that I didn't deserve to return to him. So there was a big fight and a big struggle in me Yet he had a plan, and that plan never, ever stopped working itself out. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Mm, amen. And so how did you find yourself here in Kensington Temple? Well, my first experience of Kensington Temple was coming to the graduation service of my late sister, Marjorie, whom Scott also knew. She had been in IBIOL, for a couple of years in the 90s and I came to her graduation and I remember I was sitting somewhere up there and the rafters were full. This place was packed and it impacted was what sort of church is this that has every nation in it because that's what I saw from up there, every nation. And I thought, wow, what an amazing school, what an amazing church and one day I want to be a part of this church. Yeah. So... I kind of, I would say I found my way, but I think God orchestrated my way mm -hmm. to um, Kensington Temple. And let me just share an aside here about what we did in Slough. Um, one of the, the ladies who's now pastoring our network church in Slough, Pastor Camilla, she was a steward here. And, and look at how God orchestrates your lives through this story. So I didn't know her well, but I knew her daughters very well. She, you know, one, her daughter's one of my best friends. And being associated with her, there came a time 
when she felt that we should plant a church in Slough. And I got to know her by then, and I became part of a group of people that would pray. So she was attending KT, and she began to bring me to KT, which was amazing. But out of that, we wanted and we desired to plant a church. So in the midst of being part of KT for a while, we also then planted a network church in Slough, which is still going. And it, it was really because this lady had a heart to bring Kensington Temple to Slough. And I became part of that work, so it was really exciting. I think we can give God some praise yeah. for that expression <laughs> of God's ability to use absolutely anyone. You, you co-planted a church. Hello. I think that that is something that we need to give God a lot of Amen. honor and glory for. Amen. Because anything, anything like that that is of God will always stand. And so if you've planted something a few year, many, many years ago, and it's still standing today... It's a testament to how God has led you and directed you and Pastor Camilla and how you've been able to plant the church, be able to minister into the lives of the people in Slough and care for their community. It's true. It's been amazing because it wasn't something I planned to do. Mm. Um, those first early years in the Wesleyan Holiness Church, I, within a year they had me preaching, but I never thought, oh, that means I'm going to be a preacher or a pastor. I just preached. I was part of the church and I was serving, and that's what I did. And then coming back round to the plant in Slough, it still didn't dawn on me, oh, you're going to be a pastor. We were just doing the work of God, fulfilling a need that Slough had to have a vibrant church that would touch life. So there was no thought of, oh, I'm going to be a leader. I was just doing what God was leading me to do, walking through those doors he was opening. Amen. Yeah. So there's a level of obedience and awareness of God's plan unraveling in your life that led you to that point mm. and that place. Yeah. And now you're here in KT. You've been on the staff for a number of years. You're a KT pastor. You were recently ordained into the Elam movement. So she's a reverend. It's Reverend Claudette Hitchman. How did that come about? It's, again, incredible, isn't it? Because being part of the church plant, which was um, called Pillars of Prayer, um, we were connected to KT. We would have our services in the morning. We would come to KT in the evenings. We were over at the Tabernacle. We bust youth here. So we never stopped being attached to KT. Um, and it was interesting that the person I worked for in the secular world as well even asked me when we were planting the church, what can I give you? What skills can I give you? in this job that will help you in the real life out there of church planting, and he wasn't a Christian. So there was always this emphasis on my life pointing towards church, pointing towards God, pointing towards serving him, never thought in, in a full-time capacity. And yet, out of that church plant and out of um, everything that was happening, I remember, and it, it was still late in the 90s, I was in the building that we used to be in called the Tabernacle. Is anybody in here... Does, oh, one or two people were there in the tabernacle. You remember that in Acton? Uh, yes, Norma. And I, I remember sitting there, being part of the service, and kind of hearing the Spirit of God, these little words, you'll work here one day. And I said, here where? Mm. You know, you didn't think of church in terms of being employed or anything. And yet, some years later, I was given the opportunity and I was approached to come onto the staff of KT. And I came in as an administrator, actually. Um, but as you said, in 2015, 
I was offered a position to become head of pastoral care, and so I came back into that cycle of ministry and being a minister. And aren't we so appreciative that she is a brilliant pastor. Amen. (laughs) Can we give God some praise? The work and the effort and the sacrifice and the labor of love, it's it's certainly not something that you would necessarily choose. It's something you are called to. And and you've responded very, very honorably to that, Claudette. I think that's a major point you've made there. Uh, Many people wake up, they know what they want to do, want to be, etc. But my path was serving that opened doors for me that I did not choose. I didn't plan to lead or be a leader of a church. I didn't plan to become a minister. Mm. Um, So clearly it was God's plan. Uh, It's not something I would have chosen either at all. Um, so interesting, as you said, it, it's, it's about being in the will of God, being obedient, mm. but not necessarily knowing what's ahead, but not being afraid mm. of stepping through doors that are opening for you. Amen. That's a word of encouragement yeah. to some of us this afternoon. So those are the questions that Claudette has prepared. I have one or two quick-fire questions off the cuff for Claudette. <laughs> so we've established your favorite team is Chelsea. Absolutely. What, How long have you been a Chelsea since I was fan? Five years old. Oh wow! It was the song that I kept seeing on on the black and white TV in my day. Okay. Blue is the colour. Football is the game. Wow. Chelsea. Chelsea. Favorite book in the Bible? Isaiah. Favorite verse or verse that you believe is pertinent to your ministry? Psalm forty. You put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to you. Wow. Many will see and fear, Amen. put their trust in the Lord. What would you say is your primary gifting to impact and influence the body of Christ? So it's got me there. <laughs> Any gift that God wants to use me at the time, but what's my primary gifting? Hmm. I would say it is to encourage people and none of us do anything perfectly well we're human if anybody was listening to the sermons this morning you would understand that but there's something in me that wants to encourage people to have change in their lives that's positive so a barnabas spirit amen Mm. amen tea or coffee oh coffee (laughs) favorite meal of the day every meal <laughs> favorite worship song it comes in seasons current the favorite most worship song one for me is um, it's called the power of the cross will never fail but I can't remember who it's by I could give you a little um, oh the power of the cross will never fail does anybody know it? It's lovely. They're indicating it's Hillsong, but I'm not sure. But it's not Hillsong, but, I'll, I'll, but it's called The Power of the Cross. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to share, Claudette, with us today? Yeah, I, I think my journey has been one of asking very little mm. of God, but seeing his plan unfold. And later when I, I speak, I'll, 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 
kind of expand on that a little bit because the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Mm -hmm. So there's something about asking and there's power in asking, isn't there? Yet there's also something about trusting God. Mm -hmm. And in those backslidden years or year, don't remember how long it was, but in that time there was still this pull of God toward me. So how could I not trust the God who was always drawing me to himself and always calling me to himself. So I would say that life is a, a, a journey of trusting God, and it's so important to trust him. But trust him for the doors that you will walk through, trust him for his plans. That's Amen. what I would say. Amen. Thank I'm you. almost tempted to open the floor for questions for Claudette. That would be very naughty of Scott. <laughs> I have to be careful. She interviews um, me next yes, week. I do, so. Yeah. so, If you have any questions, please send them to me in the week so that I can ask him. Thank you. Amazing. But it's also been good because I think um, being a minister here now, part of the journey has also been you. You've been an amazing colleague to me. You've helped me. You've encouraged me. You've made sure that you've given me an opportunity to grow in, in many situations. But it's been a good journey working mm. together. You were a bit ahead of me mm. when you were doing your ministering training, and I could follow you. Mm. And that was also such a beautiful, important thing to do. And so people that you are with and serving with is really, really important as well. And remember that as you're sitting next to somebody here, who is that person going to be? Who has God called that person to be they they they're loved by God that person sitting next to you right now and they have a story to tell and you have a story to share so be ever ready for that as well amen and amen can we give Claudette some encouragement thank you for sharing so eloquently with us this afternoon Claudette why don't you stand and pray for everyone amen. in their own individual calls this afternoon amen father we just give you praise and give you honor Lord and thank you so much for what you are doing in every life in KTLCC in our network churches which I've been a part of and also in the lives of all of those in KTLCC I thank you Lord that you have plans and you have purpose and those plans and purposes will be fulfilled in the lives of those who are willing to walk with you and serve with you and so I ask you to bless and open every heart to your will in the name of Jesus Christ amen a big thank you to one of my cell members Simona who was able to verify that song that I love that Scott asked about earlier on, The Power of the Cross by Jay Thomas. Um, and Pastor Scott, you do need to know that there's been a special request for us to do a duet at some point <laughs> from one of our regular <laughs> congregation members online today. <laughs> Fantastic. So thank you again, once again, just for joining us this afternoon. And I'm going to share for a few minutes out of that journey that I was sharing earlier on of my life. But first, I really want to reiterate that as I speak to you this afternoon, it's coming out of my personal experience. So there will be aspects of it that, yes, you go with, you understand, but that might not be your experience. And your experience must always be based on the revelation that you have from the word of God yourself. But hopefully you will glean something 
out of my own personal experience. And so the way that I saw my life is a life that was one which could be described as my steps were being ordered by the Lord. Um, and first I want to turn, and I'd like to ask you to turn to Proverbs chapter 16, please. Proverbs chapter 16. Verse 3 says, Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. What does it mean by your work? So I go to a, a favourite version of the Bible, and, and although Scott didn't ask me what is my favourite version of the Bible, I'll tell you, it's the Amplified Bible. <laughs> I love the way it expands the scriptures. Um, so Proverbs 16.3 in the Amplified says, roll your works upon the Lord. Imagine a carpet that's being laid, just as we've got a fabulous new carpet here today. It's beautiful. And, and as you're rolling it, you're laying it, you're rolling it, you're laying it, you're rolling it out, and you're laying it upon the Lord or before the Lord. And, and, and the Amplified says, commit and trust your works wholly to him. So there's that word again, trust. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. Cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established. In other words, we need to be open to the fact that God may have another will, another plan for our lives. That's not quite the plans that we had or the desires that we had. And there were some strong points as I was reading the Bible commentary on this verse, and I've pulled three of those points out. We cannot make plans. We mustn't make plans without considering what God may desire in a given situation. It's easy for us, isn't it? I'll do this, I'll do that. But God may have something different. The second thing, we must always look for God's plans and purposes. Not go about life thinking that we own it, we run it. We in here and who are listening online, many of us, we've given our lives to Jesus Christ. So we don't own ourselves anymore in that sense. So we need to look for his plans and look for his purposes. And the third thing is those plans can be committed to the Lord so that they are fulfilled in our lives. So those three things, we can't make plans without considering what God may desire in the situation. We must always look for God's plans and purposes as we're living our daily lives. When I had, as I said, backslidden, I just wanted to do my own thing, not God's own thing, and none of it was good. None of it was good. Didn't lead me anywhere except back to the Lord. So that was the only good thing about it. And then we've got to be able to know that as we commit those plans to the Lord, as we roll those works onto the Lord, his will will be of the fulfillment in our lives. Please turn with me now to the book of James. Um, and um, to give a little bit of context of the verse that I actually want to talk about, um, first to go to James chapter 14. Um, I'm going to read verses 13 and 14 just for some context. 
So James 14, verses 13 to 14. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Verse 14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So there the context is that attitude, I'm doing this, I'm going here, I'm going there, I'll plan to do that, I'll plan to do that, yet we don't know what tomorrow will bring. Verse 15 says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or we will do that. And when I was a young child growing up, I would hear so many times my mom or other elder people would be saying, da 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 da, -da God willing, da 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 da, -da God willing, and I thought, God willing, what do they mean by God willing? But interesting enough, I take um, a lady home um, from church who is um, mature. And um, she's over 90, actually. And every time we part, I drop her home on a Wednesday, on a Sunday, and we always say, we'll see you next Sunday or next Wednesday, God willing. We have an understanding that it's up to God if we will see each other that following week. We don't know tomorrow. So we place that decision and that happening in his hands, not in our hands. It would be so interesting to live our lives, every second of our lives, asking God, is this your will, as we go about our lives? And just like the commentaries that I was sharing from in Proverbs 16, here again in James 14, we see the importance of asking God to show us his desires, to show us his plans, his purposes, when we're making goals and when we're making plans for our future. We can't just get up and say, well, tomorrow I'll do this and tomorrow I'll do that. And I might as well pause here because I'm hearing, it's not that we don't get up and do that. As the Spirit of God lives inside of us, those who are born again, there's a knowing in us. If we say we're about to do something, we can get a check in our spirits, can't we? And we suddenly know that's not the right thing. So there's an aspect of living with the Spirit of God and learning to hear him in every situation. So we're not per se getting up and saying, well, what's your will? What do I do? Do I cook chicken today or do I cook beef? It's, it's, it's a knowing inside of you as you're led by the Spirit that often drives those plans, those purposes forward. Um, and then there's an important aspect once we sense or we know God's will. Scott spoke earlier on when he was talking to me and summarizing or describing a part of my life that there was a sense of obedience. We must be willing to follow God's plans rather than our plans. We must be willing to follow his plans. I tried a number of different things. I tried to form a dance group when I was young. I tried to um, join um, a, a group of people that we were forming a pop group. Everything failed. But I still had this drive and this desire to be in the entertainment industry. Yet the path God took me on never took me anywhere near that. The, the, the most beautiful thing is that once I did get born again, I was part of a worship team that travelled up and down the UK ministering 
not performing in song. And those days were, were great days, but there I was ministering to and having this heart to sing and being able to sing. So somehow God's plan was for that, not for big stardom, but it was to use my voice for him and to give him honour and glory. Also, it's important as well as being willing, we've decided we know what that the Lord is leading us somewhere. We're willing to follow his plans. We've got to understand that a right relationship with God, and here again ties in the obedience, that's what brings us true happiness in life. There's nothing more important and nothing works better for our lives than if we're in the centre of his will. That's the happiest place, the most satisfying place to be, in the centre of his will. Standing up here, speaking to you, ministering to you, was not my plan for my life. It was not my desire for my life. It was not something that I would have chosen. Yet my relationship with God, being in right standing with him, desiring to obey him, desiring to serve him, took me to the place that I should be where he wants me to be and not where I have chosen to be. The fourth thing from that verse I pulled is that our lives are fulfilled when we commit to his plans. We have a fulfillment in life. Now, I might as well speak openly as a woman and as a woman who is single, who is black. Is my life a fulfilled life? Because so many people would make being black an issue in trying to get somewhere in a society that perhaps or a nation that is Caucasian and vice versa in other nations that are black perhaps? Has that ever stopped me from serving God? No. Has it ever stopped me from being in a place where he could use me? No. What about being a woman? Yes. There, there are schools of thoughts in Christendom that women should not preach and that it's not an acceptable thing to do as a woman. It didn't occur to me that that should be the case when while I was serving God, he was opening doors for me. It was never an issue for me that I was a woman that should be called of God to do anything. He made male and female out of his image he made us. We are to open our mouths and preach the gospel, whether we're male or whether we're female. It's never been an issue for me to do what God wants me to do. If it's an issue for other people, they can speak to the Lord about it, because I did not call myself. My steps are ordered of the Lord. And this is really where I want to take you to. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done. Do we really mean it? Your will be done as long as you give me the man that I desire to be my husband. What if it's not his plan for you? Do you still say, well, your will be done, let me give that up? Your will be done in that sports career 
that I have desired, I'll do nothing else until you give me that job, is that saying your will be done? I would have pursued a career in entertainment. I would have done the other things that I wanted to do, but his will became more important than any desire I had. Yet there's this quick question of, is my life fulfilled or not? I'm single. I preached on that on the 14th of February, either this year or last year, I can't even remember. I'm single. I'm serving God. Am I fulfilled or not? Marriage is a powerful, God-made union on earth to enjoy. But if I don't have that, does that mean my life is unfulfilled? Let me assure you, I'm very happy and I'm very fulfilled in life. And if marriage was part of God's plan for me, then I'll walk through the open door if and when that opportunity comes. If that's not his plan or his will for me, and remember I said I'm speaking personally about my own journey today, then I am still absolutely fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Of course, I'm fulfilled. Because being in the center of his will, there's nothing better. Being in his presence, there's nothing better. I'm just going to tell you a story that came out of yesterday. I spoke earlier about um, the memorial service I attended for, um, the gentleman that really discipled me in those first few years of my salvation. And talk about the presence of God being key in your life. That One of the people shared a story. There were prayer partners my friend living in Slough, his friend living in Leeds. And his friend came all the way down from Leeds to tell him that he was making a wrong decision in his life. And my friend said, first of all, let's pray and worship God. Three hours later, the man from Leeds was still on the floor hearing the will of God for my friend's life because the presence of God was so powerful. It's so important to know that we have to know God's will for our lives and accept his will for our lives. Not try to change ourselves or change other people, but do what God says. Be in that moment with him for your life. I know I can hear the shouts, how do I know? How do I know what he's saying? Hopefully I'll come to that if I have an answer. But I'm talking about my life journey. It was a journey of not particularly asking for anything because I didn't particularly need or want anything in my life. Once I became born again, Christ just made me happy. Joy was part of my being. Laughter, friendships came and went, but God was always there, chasing me. His goodness never stopped running after me. He was always there. So, The key verse I have today, which is from Psalm 37, verse 23. Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Another version would say the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Um, And the Amplified, of course I have to go back to that, says the steps of a good man are directed and established by the Lord. So let me pause there. The steps of a good man. Why is he good? Simply because he is in Christ and the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus now belongs to him. 
Not because he's good per se, but because God has made this man good and he's obeying God, he's in obedience to God, he's striving to live by the will of God. So the steps of a good man are directed and they are established by the Lord when that good man delights in the ways of the Lord. When that good man does that, when he delights in the ways of the Lord, God busies himself with every step for that good man. God busies himself with the next step, and then that step, that will, that way. He busies himself. He, he opens doors for you to walk through, and he closes the ones you shouldn't go through. I'll share another personal story. I was in love in my 20s to a very tall and a very handsome man. Nothing in the world was going to stop me from marrying him. But during our relationship, God kept speaking. And he kept speaking. And he kept speaking. It got to a point that I would turn up at a church that I'd visit... And the preacher would be preaching and I would be hearing God saying, you need to come out of the relationship. A guest speaker, I don't know why this lady's finding it so funny, but she's really enjoying my story. A guest speaker came to, to the church I was part of at the time and he was preaching away at something or other and I just felt this shudder next to me. I felt like a presence was next to me. And the guy suddenly stopped and said, the, the call of God is on the side of you, but you're in disobedience to him, and if you don't obey him, you can't take up the call. So that evening, I entered the relationship. And then the call of God came upon my life. And I'm not saying that the marriage wouldn't have been great and good for us, etc. But I'm saying that being in the call of God and stepping into that call has been the best thing that I've ever done. There's nothing difficult for me to give up for Christ, for his perfect will. And I don't want to just be in his will. I want to be in his perfect will for my life. We're human, we make mistakes, but I want to be in his perfect will for my life. So it's great being a part of Kensington Temple at the moment. But what if God was to say to me on the 31st of December 2021, I want you to leave KT. I would do it. Not because I desire, but because I would know that I can trust him for my next step. I'm not going anywhere, by the way. He hasn't spoken to me, and I'm sure he won't. So don't. But I want you to understand, don't hold anything so precious to yourself that you're not willing to give it up for Jesus Christ. Rejoice. His steps are ordered of the Lord. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. When I look back at my life, there must have been a trust in God that enabled me to walk through the doors he was opening. I didn't ask, but the doors kept opening and I kept stepping through. Is that one way that you can be hearing God by just seeing a door and knowing in your spirit, I can go through that one, God has opened it? There wasn't a drastic cry, Lord, what's my future? What do I do? Help me, let me be this, let me be that. My church don't recognise me. I don't know what... There's, there was none of that fight ever in my life. None of that struggle. My desire, and I wrote it down, it, it was much rather... It was a journey which was that of serving God and following him. 
My desire was just to serve the Lord. Just be a servant. Just serve him. If it was to mop a floor, if it was to open the church, as Pastor Camilla and I used to do, if it was to lay the chairs out, then rig up the MPA system that we didn't understand much, whatever it was to do, it was serving. And that was the key thing that opened doors for the will of God and the call of God on my life. There were times when I had no idea where things would lead to, but I kept serving. I want to encourage you today to keep serving. Find ways to serve. Find ways to be so much in the place where God can speak to you, can show you, can open doors. Just because you're here, serving. Whether it was in the first church I was in, whether it was when I was backslidden, whether it didn't matter. God never left me alone. But I desired to serve him. So I'm here now, where I am, but as I said, I don't assume this is where it stops. My job is to keep serving, I'm open. What do you have for me? Why am I doing this today? Because I'm serving you, God. I'm not doing it because this is what I want to be. It's not what I don't want to be, understand me. But I'm doing it because this is where you've placed me, this is where you've called me. Some of you, you, you've taken careers And they're not working out. And you're struggling. But you keep telling yourself, but this is what I wanted to do. And this is my career. And this can't be taken away from me. Be bold and revisit. Take some time to worship God. Choose to serve in an area of the church that you've never served in before. And see if the Lord will redirect your steps. Be open to it. Why is this a struggle? Is this really where I should be? It's a very sacrificial life serving God. We know that. And if any members of my family are listening, I want to thank them for sacrificing me, for allowing me the time to serve God and for giving them less time than I would want to give them. They have been incredible. And I really thank my family for allowing me and giving the space to serve God. My prayer is that you will be rewarded and you will know the touch of God in your own lives. Many times ministers do give up a lot and do sacrifice a lot. But many times... Just ordinary Christians. You want to go that way, but you have to go this. You've sacrificed. But somebody's life has changed. Somebody who was broken is healed. Somebody who was lost is found. Because you didn't go your way, you went God's way. It's so important that we learn to do that. That we go God's way and not our way. lift these words. Lord, I'm thirsty. Lord, I am thirsty. 
In my heart 